we have uh, in at at Philbert in our congregation we have cottage Bible studies for in general about the first three months of the year and we study a book of the Bible or we study a a book that's based on the Bible uh, presently this year we're we're studying Dane Ortland's book gentle and lowly the heart of Christ for sinners and sufferers we are on the seventh week of that and so we are choosing scriptures uh, that uh, are somewhat related to the message of that particular chapter of that book. And he, he, Dane Ortland chose a, uh, a verse, part of a verse from Hosea, and so being somewhat loosely connected uh, to that verse, but definitely in Hosea, uh, I have moved to the end of uh, the book, to Hosea chapter 14, and I'll ask you to turn there. Uh, in your phone or in the actual book in your lap um, to look at chapter 14, the first three verses. It begins, return. Uh, Hosea is the first of the 12 in in organization, the first of 12 uh, what we call minor prophets, which means they're shorter than Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. So after Daniel, you have Hosea. Let's stand, and I'll read those first three verses. This is God's holy, inspired, inerrant, infallible word. Hear the word of God. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity and receive us graciously that we may present the fruit of our lips. Assyria will not save us. We will not ride on horses, nor will we say again, our God, to the work of our hands, For in you, the orphan finds mercy. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would work within us, that we would hear this word return, and that it would be applied to our hearts. That we would hear the word graciously, that that it would go and be met and would overcome the word iniquity and stumbling, and that we would hear the word grace, and that you would apply all of those to our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. The full weight of sin. That that phrase is from the book we're studying. The full weight of sin. The full weight of sin. Hosea is all about the sin and rebellion of God's people. It's really, and the the book is about sin. It's about spiritual adultery. It's about God's telling Hosea to marry a woman and have children by her. It's also about God knowing that the wife, whose name is Gomer, would be unfaithful to Hosea. In fact, she would sink so low that she would be driven into sexual slavery. 
Hosea is the picture of God, the faithful husband. Gomer is the picture of Israel, the picture of you and me, the less than faithful or faithless wife. If, you have, if you're still with Hosea, go back to the first. So we just had look at the introduction there, beginning in Hosea. It explains the situation. The word of the Lord which came to Hosea, the son of Barry, during the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and during the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. And if you know something about that history, you'll know sort of where that fits in. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take yourself a wife of harlotry and have children of harlotry for the for this is the connection, for the land commits flagrant harlotry, that is, the land, the people of God, or the bride of God, the wife of God, and God is our head, God is our heavenly husband, he husbands us, he loves us, and and so it was in the Old Testament, so it is even much more clearly in the New Testament. Uh, We are his wife. We are his bride. We're the bride of Christ, if you're in Christ. And then he says, of his wife, the land commits flagrant harlotry, adultery, unfaithfulness, forsaking the Lord. Hosea came to understand, as G. Campbell Morgan put it, came to understand the heart of God and what God suffered when his people sinned. Hosea has been called the prophet of the broken heart. What you see from studying Hosea is how God's heart is broken over sin and rebellion in us, in his people. Sin. Rebellion and sin against God, guilt before God, Hosea lays it out clearly. Much of Hosea is filled with this message. Now, I mean, the the gospel is in other places. He doesn't wait to get to to chapter 14 to to put the gospel there. It's there at the end of chapter 1, and that's the part about you were... Um, you were not a, a beloved son or daughter, and now you are. That's the part that Peter picks up in, in his letter to us. But understand where you stand before God. First, if you're not in Christ, if you're not in Christ today, you're, we're all part of Adam's family. We're, we're all included in the Adam's family. We are we, we, we've been turning away from God ever since. We've been stumbling ever since the Garden of Eden. You were born in sin. You came with, with, with Adam's sin on your record, and you've been adding to that, piling that up ever since. Feel the full weight of your sin. That's something we can benefit from, from the, from the book of Hosea. If you have the, the bulletin there, I'd like for you to look at the children's and everybody's sermon helper page. These are, there, there are two paragraphs there from The Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. 
And the first paragraph is about the man who is living in the city of destruction. He is without Christ. He is not in Christ. And as, as, Bun- as Bunyan writes it, as I walked through the wilderness of this world, I came upon a certain place with a den, and I lay down to sleep. I fell asleep and dreamed. And in my dream, and this is the beginning of his story of Pilgrim's Progress, I saw a man clothed with rags. Those that, that, that he, he can't have any righteous deeds yet. But I saw a man clothed with rags standing in a certain place with his face turned from his own house. In his hand he held a book. Can you guess what that book is? And he bore a great burden upon his back. Can you guess what that burden is? And then as a reference to that, this isn't part of what Bunyan put in there, but it's to help us understand. For, uh, Psalm 38, 4, For my iniquities have gone over my head as a heavy burden. They weigh too much for me. So he opened the book. And as he read, he wept and trembled, unable to contain his emotions any longer. He broke out with a mournful cry, what shall I do? Do you understand? The book is this book. The book is the Bible. And he is without Christ. If you are without Christ, get the information from this book or listen this morning. If you're without Christ, you have no hope in this world and you have a terrible prospect for eternity to come. This is the book. And this book, part of what it tells you, the first part of the good, good news is the bad news. You are a sinner. You have this burden on your back, and you're adding to the burden every time you lie, every time you are angry uh, in an inappropriate way that's not for righteousness, uh, every time you cheat or steal or talk back to your mother or disregard what your father says, or just all that, you know, that means sins, multifarious sins. You're, you're piling them on your back, and it's getting heavier and heavier all the time. If you're not yet in Christ, feel the full weight of your sin. This man in Pilgrim's Progress, soon to be called Pilgrim, and after he gets to the cross on the top of the hill, he will be called Christian, uh, this is a man without Christ reading the Bible. This is a man who sees himself in the Bible as though the Bible had been a mirror. James one twenty three describes a man who looks in the Bible, sees himself, and goes away as though nothing had happened. And so if you're not in Christ at the beginning of this meeting today, and you see what the Bible says about your sin and your plight before a holy God, then I pray that you would not go from this place unchanged. James 1, 23 and 24 says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and all of us are gathered here, and if you can hear my voice, you're a hearer of the word. Dave's read the word. You've read the word. You've heard it sung. You've heard it spoken. You've had contact with the word this morning. Dave has given you the gospel clearly already earlier in the service. If you're, anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, specifically not putting your faith in Christ and living for him, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. Don't be like that. You're hearing the word. Feel the full weight of your sin. You are Gomer. 
For the land commits flagrant harlotry, Hosea 1-2, forsaking the Lord. I'll flesh that out just a little bit uh, by going to Hosea chapter 4, the first three verses there. Listen to the word of the Lord, O sons of Israel, for the Lord has a case against you, inhabitants of the land, because there is no faithfulness or kindness or knowledge of God in the land. You realize this is becoming a pretty good picture of our land? There's no faithfulness or kindness or knowledge of God in the land. There's swearing. There is deception, murder, stealing. Can you see the U.S. in here? Adultery. They employ violence so that bloodshed follows bloodshed. I hear those reports from Charlotte every morning on a Charlotte station. I see where the police cars are parked. It makes good, makes good pictures to, to sell advertising on the TV. Therefore the land mourns, and everyone who lives in it languishes, along with the beasts of the field and the birds of the sky. Also the fish of the sea disappear. Examine the land where you live, but more importantly and more specifically this morning, examine your heart. God has a case against you if you're not in Christ, if you don't belong to him, if you have not come to him. You are and you always have been a sinner. Everybody you know has always been a sinner. And God can prove his case against you very easily. He can prove his case against me very, very easily. Read your sentence in the Bible. Become like the man in Pilgrim's Progress. What shall I do, he says. Now, if you're in Christ, and if you're talking to someone you love, walking down the road of life together with them, and your loved one is beginning to feel the full weight of sin upon him or upon her, then what will you do? Now we go to the last chapter of Hosea. Now we take, we dig into those three verses. The first big word is return. When you memorize uh, the meaning of words in Hebrew, when you start taking Hebrew 1, you have to memorize a lot of words, mainly because a lot of the verbs sound like uh, 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 they all sort of sound the same. This word doesn't sound like that. The word is shuv. But when you memorize the, the first little section of most used words in the Old Testament in Hebrew, one of those words is the word that starts this passage. Return. It means to turn or return. Return. It says in Hosea chapter 14 verse 1. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return. Return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity. Receive us graciously that we may present the fruit of our lips. Derek Kidner, who once upon a time used to be the warden, they called him at at, uh, Tyndale House in Cambridge, England, quotes a much older writer, George Adam Smith, he compares Amos and, and Hosea, two of, we, we call the minor prophets, the smaller prophets, in terms of the number of words we have of them. Um, he said, Amos says, um, um, God, to turn, 
for in front of you is destruction. And that's a good reason to return. (laughs) And that's what the pilgrim saw when he realized that he was in the city of destruction. He said, ahead of you is destruction. Hosea's call, this man who is humbled and loving and goes and buys his wife back out of slavery for the price of a slave, essentially, to come home and be his wife again, who understands God's love for us when we stray and have been straying ever since the Garden of Eden and we are brought back. Amos says, turn because destruction is ahead of you. Hosea says, return because God is behind you. And, and, and you know, if you, those of you who have been studying the book, this is major, major theme of this book, Gentle and Lowly. Come unto me, all you who, are labor, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My arms are open. I want you to come back. I want you, I, not in judgment, but in love. Come to me. So if you feel the full weight of your sin, then hear Hosea saying, hear God saying, through Hosea, return to God. There has been stumbling, it says uh, there at the first of Hosea. For you have stumbled. Yes, you've stumbled. But that's no surprise to the Lord who has his arms open. He, he, He wants you to turn and come back to him. As another old commentator says, there is no salvation for fallen man without a return to God. The word is conversion. Con, it means you're going one way and then you're turning around and going back. You're running away from God and conversion is being turned. Hear that call and the Holy Spirit applies it to your heart and you return. You come back to him. Dane Ortland says it in his book this way. You've got two things to do. Number one is come. And number two is see number one. That's it. You need a Savior. If you're a believer and you're helping somebody else who's beginning to feel the full weight of his or her sin and begins to say, what, what, what am I going to do? Then just tell them. Invite them. Just say, come. And what do you take with you? Verse 2, take words. Take words with you and return, there it is again, to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity. That's confessing your sins. That's agreeing with him. That's what confess means. Confess is, is to state or to admit. And, and we say fess up. You, you understand that? Con means you agree with. So God says, I've got a case against you. You're guilty. And, and, and what you do is you come and you bring your words and you say, yes, you're right. I plead guilty. And he says, praise the Lord. He doesn't say praise the Lord. He said, wonderful. Come to me. And you say, praise the Lord. Come to me. I know you're guilty. Just agree with me and come in. Be like the prodigal. Come to yourself. Realize where you are. And I'll be watching on the porch for you to come back. And I'll run. As an older man, I will, I will hike up my skirts and I will run down the road and I'll hug you. And I'll give you everything there is here. I give you my love. Not justice. I have another place where justice is going. 
And he loves you, and he came for, to die for you. So you, you pray. You take words. You repent. That's what it's saying. You don't take money. You, you don't bring something to the table. As John Calvin wrote, you don't take ceremony or vows to go on pilgrimages. He says those are trifles. That's nothing compared to these words that say, I repent of my sins. I ask forgiveness. I ask you to take away all, all my iniquity, the whole burden on my back, now and forever. Matthew Henry says, repentance is a great thing, for it brings a man quite up to the throne of God. Brings a man quite up to the throne of grace. Now, of course, when you bring your words, your heart has to agree with the words. You understand that. It's out of the heart that the words speak. It is, it is your heart, as Matthew Henry says, it must dictate to your mouth. So hear the call to repentance. For all his sin and fall short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. That's what you get from your sin. It, it, that's what payday is without Christ. But, but how do you get Christ? It's a free gift. It's a free gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, why should, why should Dave and I preach conversion and repentance and coming to Christ here and now among us? Why should we have the gospel stated in a time of silent confession Every Sunday morning, among us, among us who belong to this congregation and the loved ones and friends who are gathered here today, first, because it's in the Bible, it's part of the whole counsel of God, and second, because it's something you dare not miss, and three, because many people can hear the call to repentance and hear the call to return over and over and over again and miss it all the way through their lives to life's end. And then I, I listened to Mr. Henry saying again, conversion must be preached even to those that are within the pale of the church as well as the heathen. When you hear the call to come, you come, you return. You come with, with words of confession and you come with words of repentance. And my, my guess and my hope is that all of y'all know this. this. This is just a repeat. This is, this is just confirmation. This is just encouragement because you're already there. Because you're already in Christ. But, but we must hear the gospel over and over again. And when you come, verse 3 comes into play. For in you, the orphan finds mercy. In Hosea and in 1 Peter 2, you have these funny words. Uh, they're names of children. Uh, they're th uh, Hosea and Gomer had three children. I'm just pick out the two that, that, um, that Peter picks up on. 
Am means people, and Ami means my people. So Hosea and Gomer named one of their children, not my people. Ruhama means mercy. And, and Hosea and Gomer named, I mean, God told them to do it, named another child, ain't got no mercy. And you realize that describes us when we start out? We, we don't have grace. We're not God's people. Now, by, by the covenant, praise the Lord, if you grew up in a covenant home, you had one or more parent who was a believer. You have those covenant promises, and that issues in a whole set of blessings. But, but for us as, as, as a human race, we start out, we're not God's people. We're, we're heathen. And yet, he promises you will become, you used to be called Lo-Ami, not my people. Now you're going to be called Ami, my people. You used to be called no mercy. But chapter 14, verse 3 says, when you come to God, you'll find mercy as though where you were an orphan. You find mercy. You receive great, you'll receive graciously, it says in, in the NASB there. Uh, that is the way you receive. Receive us graciously. So you have grace mentioned, and then you have mercy mentioned. You you come, you find mercy as a fatherless child, as an orphan. Mercy is laid up for you at home. Come home. Ye who are weary, come home. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, come home. Sinner, O oh sinner, come home. I think I've realized that this ties directly to Jesus' teaching in the New Testament. For instance, in Mark chapter 10, 15, it says, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. So get rid of your worldly wisdom. Get rid of your sophistication. Come naked, seeking dress. Come soiled and dirty, seeking cleansing. You come dead, seeking life. You renounce the world and the devil. And so you renounce your, your former father. And what does that make you? An orphan. And so when Jesus says, little children come unto me, I've I've got a new picture of this now. Come to me as an orphan. Come to me as somebody bereft of help. As somebody who is dropped in the dumpster. As somebody who's left on the doorstep. Who has nobody to care for them. And I want you, come to me, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. As an orphan in need of a loving father, he will not deny you. He, this was our verse from last week, John six thirty seven. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not, I in no wise, the Greek words there were ume, I will not not, I will never, never, 
I will never ever cast out. If you come to me, you are adopted when you come, and your name is changed. So instead of being Wallace Adamson, I become Wallace Godson, or Wallace Godwin, friend of God, or Wallace Theodore, or Wallace Theophilus, God lover. Or, as they said for the first time in Antioch, just Wallace Christian. And it makes all the difference in the world. If you have the outline there in the um, children's sermon helper page, let's look to see where this change takes place. Now in my dream, the highway on which Christian was to travel was fenced in on both sides with a wall called Salvation. And the burdened Christian ran up this way with great difficulty because of the load on his back. He ran like this until he came to a place where the road climbed up a small hill. At the top of the hill stood a cross, and a little below at the bottom was a stone tomb. In my dream, just as Christian came up to the cross, his burden loosened from his shoulders and fell off his back. It tumbled and continued to do so down the hill until it came to the mouth of the tomb where it it fell inside and was seen no more separated as far as the east is from the west, an eternal separation. Christian was so glad and overjoyed, and in his excitement he said, he has given me rest by his sorrow and life by his death. It is my belief that this theme has been the noticeable theme for Filbert Presbyterian Church for many years. Number one, to call sin, sin. To call every sinner a sinner. Not to pull punches and gently, humbly, earnestly invite sinners to come to the table. To come to Jesus or as Hosea 14.1 says, return, turn or return. So, number one, to call sin, sin. Number two, to declare that salvation is a free, completely undeserved gift calling forth to the heart to God be the glory. In other words, salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, according to the Bible alone, and therefore to the glory of God alone. Mercy that we receive, we receive by mercy. And then number three, so call sin, sin, hand out the gospel absolutely freely with no strings attached. And then number, number three, disciple believers in worship instruction Fellowship and mission. I see these. Now, this may be sort of strange, but this this is what this is the way I, I I see what Matthew Henry says about sin bringing you to repentance, and when you come to repentance, it takes you all the way to the throne of grace. I think about something that used to be at fairgrounds uh, in fairs. It was something called test your strength. Um, or, I don't know, Sky High or something else. There are other names for it. And, and you get a sledgehammer, and you got this bell at the top of this little tower. Do you know what I'm talking about? And, uh, and you got this target down there on this. There's a fulcrum, and there's, there's a target, and there's this little seesaw down at the bottom, and you knock this little, little cylinder up there, and it's supposed to ring the bell. 
Well, this is the way I see it. When you talk to somebody uh, about the gospel, you start out with, boom! Now, you, you can be more gentle than that, I think, but, I mean, I'm talking about Wayne Rogers. I mean, he, he can't, boom! We're all sinners. We need to be saved by grace. And, and, and so you, you, you tell people that, and, and you, you, you can't change hearts, of course. It's the Holy Spirit who puts that little fulcrum in there and goes, you know, so, but, but if you do what you, you stumble around and say, let me, may I recite John 3.16 to you? That, that may be it. I mean, that, that, may, that, may be, that may be what does it. I mean, is, or, or somebody coming to you and say, why is your family different from everybody else in the neighborhood? Why, 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 do, you, why do you do things differently at work? What, why do you do that over there? And you, and, and, and you just sort of say a few things like, it's Jesus and he's forgiven me for my sins. And so you, you, that, that is the, you know, the part about saying you are a sinner. You have to get to that part. But for Wayne and Judy... Uh, and Al and Elaine, Dave and Carly, Otto and Harmina Wiesman, for every one of them, the men and the women, all of them, the husbands and the wives, would give you the first part of the gospel. And if you did what what Matthew Henry, what what Hosea fourteen one through three says, you confess your sins. If you if you say, what's going to happen to me? And you say, well, just ask, ask Jesus, ask the Father to forgive your sins for what Jesus did on the cross for you. And if they do it, that's all the Holy Spirit working in them, then they, they're taken before the throne of grace. And when they get to the throne of grace, it's not a throne of judgment, it's a throne of grace. And they start a new life, a brand new life. And I believe that's been a theme of this church for, for years and years now. Give yourself to Jesus. You are in need of him. I'm in need of him. Dave and Carly are in need of him. If you've been thinking all these years that you come and sit in church here or somewhere else and that you're purchasing a religious experience, or you're adding a religious preference line to your resume, or you're enjoying a small side dish to tickle your palate a bit as you enjoy your main course of me, myself, and I, that's a sham, that's a fake. Pretty religion is a tiny bit of shiny bait hiding a powerful hook that will eventually jerk you out of your daydream as it reels you into the abyss. Give yourself to Jesus. Your best deeds are filthy rags. You will be held to the standard of perfection. And you and I have never seen perfection in ourselves, not for one moment. The only way out of judgment and forever and ever pain is to have a record of being perfect in every situation all the time, every day of your life, Unless you are given the righteousness of Jesus. Come to Jesus. It's absolutely free. Bring words. Return. He will receive you, as Hosea says, graciously. And when you come as an orphan, 
It's that big word. You find mercy. And I think this is why this song and, you know, the title of, of, of the sermon, His Mercy is More, I think this is why this resonates so much with us as a congregation. Our sins, we readily admit, our sins are many. We need Jesus. But however many sins we have, his mercy, that last word of Hosea 14.3, his mercy is more, way more than all our sins. So we give him all the glory to God be the glory.